Hi, and welcome back to Buzz on Book Biz. I am going to welcome our guest today, who is Kim Rodziba, and he is the Vice President of Communications, Public Affairs, Science and Sustainability at Bayer Inc. in Canada. Kim is the Senior Communications and Marketing Expert with over 30 years of diverse experience in petroleum, airline, telecommunications, automotive, and life science industries. He has served on several boards and committees, such as the International Association of Business Communicators, a Youth Ag Summit, Canadian 4-H Council, the Outstanding Young Farmers of Canada, Alberta Ballet, the Calgary Philharmonic Orchestra, Calgary's Science Centre, and the Commanderie de Bordeaux, which sounds like it has something to do with wine, (laughs) right? Absolutely. Okay. Okay, he is passionate about building strong brands and is an avid blog writer on the topic. One day it occurred to him how little was written about branding from a gender perspective, especially from an entrepreneurial woman brand leader, women brand leader. Exploring the idea, he realized that this was an untold story of a long list of women he found so inspiring. And he decided then and there to make these inspirational women the subject of his first book called Branding Queens, which was just published last week. Welcome, Kim. Thank you. And I'm happy to be here. That's awesome. I'm excited to talk to you about this. So you have come from a long career of being in communications, public affairs, and marketing, and here you are writing a book about women entrepreneurs, which isn't quite, doesn't fit into petroleum, airline, telecommunications, automotive, and life science industries per se, unless some of those women are in those industries. Am I right? Yeah, and actually some of them are. Oh, good. Okay. Well, tell us first a little bit about the book, Branding Queens. So it's it's a book about 20 women. uh, And these 20 women started from ground zero Uh uh, and developed an iconic brand, which still exists today. It goes back to 1810 was the first uh, woman that I found. And that's Viclico. That's the champagne. And Vu, sorry, oh, Vuclico, yeah. sorry, uh-huh. my yeah. French is not so good. Uh, Vuclico, uh-huh. and Vu stands for widow. And I think oh. a lot of people don't under, realize that it's widow Clico. Really? I did not know that. Huh. Yeah. So she's the, the uh, first um, branding queen I found. And actually, I, I actually read a book about her and that kind of sort of started this this whole idea as to just thinking it from a branding perspective as i said i i love brands and i've I've spent a lot of time um researching about brands so so it got me thinking who are the branding queens out there and and the first thing i did was of course i went to google and google couldn't answer it so i thought wow maybe there's a book here so I actually started as a blog uh, and it got away from me and it took me two and a half years. Okay. So clearly these are not women branding queens who necessarily are alive today, obviously. Um, So how many of them are alive? Uh, There's seven of the 20 that are alive. Sorry, six. I think there's six that are alive today. 
Uh, and of the six, uh, three are still in control of their brands. Oh, okay. Oh, this is fascinating. So you might have women like Coco or... Absolutely. Uh, yes, Coco, Coco Chanel. Of course, she would be on there. Um, so who else would be ones that people would recognize? So, so I, I, I was going to give you some that probably people wouldn't recognize. Oh, okay. Uh, if, if you don't mind, just to be kind of fun, which is Anne Bissell. So if you um, have ever had a vacuum cleaner. Oh, I was going to say the vacuum cleaner lady. Vacuum cleaner. Uh, <laughs> okay. and, and right now the company is operated by her great, great grandson. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's still actually a family run business. Um, another one uh, would be all of Anne Beach. Uh, Beach Aircrafts. Which oh. are still flying today, okay. uh, yes. and and Olivan uh, ran that for many years. Of course, the obvious ones like Mary Kay, uh-huh. Liz Claiborne, uh-huh. uh, Martha Stewart, Debbie Fields. Debbie Fields made her her millions uh, from a simple chocolate chip cookie uh, oh, with Fields right. cookies. Fields cookies, yes, of course. Yeah. And then I think the most, probably the one that, that people would go, really, why, why is she in there? And that's that's the Queen Elizabeth II. Oh, well, the Marnicky is quite the brand, actually. <laughs> it's one of the biggest brands in the world. Yeah, it is indeed. Uh, and she has been in at the helm of that brand longer than anyone else. So um, that's remarkable. So you interviewed some of these women, you did oodles of research, obviously, on the others, and you pulled it all together in this book. And what is your hope in terms of the readership for this book? Well, it's my first book. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I'm not sure I've got huge hopes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but every time I talk to somebody that's read it, and it's again, it's only been out for a week. So, so um, only a few people I've, I've actually heard from are, are talking about this from an inspirational perspective. And, uh-huh. it's, and I, my original intent was to, to educate people on branding. Uh, and it was all about branding. And what I'm finding is, is that the stories are, are providing some sort of not only demonstration, but it's also representation of of famous women uh-huh. and it's uh-huh. and it's and it's taking a different viewpoint of them and i think this is this is somewhat that's been uh quite powerfully received uh, by people so uh-huh. so i don't know I, I i thought when i first my my group was was marketing and and branding people uh-huh. Uh-huh. But uh, people beyond that are enjoying it. They're enjoying learning about these women. Uh, as I said earlier, they started with nothing uh, when they built these these brands. Uh, they're perfectionists. They they did it all themselves uh, at the beginning, and and you know I think a lot of them had trouble releasing some of the responsibilities as it got oh. bigger. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, it's and I found this the same thing with my book. Um, you know, in, in developing it, I had to have to get an editor or a proofreader and and you're kind of releasing, you know, some of some of the responsibility to others. And that that's a challenge. Yeah, it is. It's um, 
it's your baby and <laughs> you don't want anyone else messing with it. <laughs> Even if it means it's going to be a lot better. But well, I, I think that the the moment in time here for this book is is rather interesting because we now have in the spotlight women's issues, especially in, in the United States at this time. And and there's there's really, I, I think in some senses, people feel like women are in the spotlight, but for all the wrong reasons in some ways. You putting the spotlight on women who were entrepreneurs and built a brand, I think that's a truly extraordinary thing to bring to people's attention. Um, I just saw on Twitter this morning a woman uh, made a made a post on Twitter and she said, I'm a CEO. I'm not a woman CEO. And as soon as I read that, I was like, well, yeah, come to think of it, we never say a male CEO, do we? We never say that. <laughs> Why would we say a female CEO as if it's some sort of extraordinary, <laughs> odd thing, right? Yeah, but but it is. Uh-huh. When you go back in history, I mean, it was a man's world. Uh-huh. And, and for a woman to, to start a business was unheard of. To actually have a million-dollar business or a billion-dollar business or to be, you know, one of uh, Forbes's, you know, five hundred top five hundred companies, that was unheard of. Uh-huh. I mean, uh, one of the women in this in this book is is Catherine Graham, who ran the Washington Post, oh, and she right. was twice uh-huh. uh, in the top uh, CEO of Fortune five hundred. Uh-huh. Only and only woman twice during wow. uh, that was in 1972 and 1973 that was extraordinary so, so uh-huh. history hasn't been kind to women no uh, to start a business I, I i'm not sure if you're aware but in 1988 up until 1988 women couldn't open a bank account without a man's signature yeah i know that just seems like Really? That that's that, thirty-four years ago. Not, I think. not I that long. Math ago. is correct. I know it is. It is amazing. Um, women have had to fight every square inch of that <laughs> time yeah. to maintain and to expand their own opportunities. Being able to buy a house by themselves and you know get a mortgage on their own and all of those things would have uh, been a fight initially. Yeah. And and so. It, it hasn't been an easy fight, but women have achieved a lot in that span of time. Absolutely. And, and I mean, what is also amazing, and, and I'm in awe of these women because mm-hmm. I, I know them so well, um, just through two and a half years, Yeah, uh, that I, I yeah, I, they're, they went through so many different challenges, mm-hmm. but they believed only in one person, always. Mm-hmm. And that was themselves Uh because Uh everyone else was telling them you couldn't do it. Uh Why would you do it? I mean, I'll go back to uh, Vuv Clicquot. She was well set up. She had, she was, she was uh, in the middle class, Napoleon Bonaparte's time. Uh She was wealthy. Uh, Her husband passed away. She wanted to continue the business. 
The business was a new business. They were both starting, which was the, the winery, the, the champagne. But she wanted to continue. And she had to convince. The only reason she was able to continue was she was a widow. And that allowed her the legal right to continue the business. A woman could not do that without being a widow at that time. Interesting. Wow. So, so I mean, they persevered. I mean, all the way through. And, and it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. Ooh, I'm just getting tingles up my spine. This is a this is a screenplay. <laughs> this her story is a screenplay. <laughs> well, it's 20 stories. I mean, I, I mean, you could look at you know, I was looking at them as 20 case studies, but as uh-huh. I went through them, they were actually really stories and 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 their highs and lows uh in these stories. There's lessons to be learned. Uh, uh-huh. I came away with wow, the similarities of some of them, incredible. All uh-huh. very different people though. All different. Um, I mean, you asked me earlier. You were you, you talked about the industries that they, they they worked in or the industries that they were involved in. Quite a few were involved in industries, of course, that um, are directed to women. So you know, the health and beauty, cosmetic industries, uh-huh. uh, um, fashion industry, um, the food industry. Uh-huh. Um, but we have airlines. We have. Uh, uh, you know, cleaning products, uh, vacuum cleaners. Uh, we have, uh, uh, let me just think here. Uh, there's um, one I'm missing, a, a newspaper, uh, of course, uh, as well. Uh, direct marketing. So, I mean, they're diverse, but mm-hmm. a lot of them, I think what, what made them so good at their business and branding was they understood their customer. Mm-hmm which in a man's world, they had an advantage. Oh, absolutely. Especially if they were marketing to a female audience. Yes. Um, it, you know, just as I think of it, it's surprising that, you know, the big companies like Huggies and, you know, baby-oriented products it weren't in, in your list because I would have thought that there would have been a woman that would have gone like gangbusters into that field. Yeah, no, there's not. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm intrigued about this book. And, and now that you've done this, how, how does this change your perspective on your own work and at Bayer? Um, do you have a, a, are you trying to make a connection there or has a connection been made for you? Well, I think uh, from a brand, building a brand, the characteristics that I saw that seemed to be common amongst many of these women was, okay, hardworking, entrepreneurial, right? Um, smart, creative. They were perfectionists. But one of the things that really under, uh, stood out for me was their ability to use their intuition. Mm. Uh-huh. And, I, you know, and some will say it was gut. Some of it was... You know, they use different words, um, you know, listen to my inner self. Uh, yeah. uh-huh. But uh, that's where I net out was, was that they, and the strong belief of themselves. Yeah. And, and they were also obsessed with their customer. So customer centricity was hugely important. And, and with that became quality uh, and, and consistency. Uh-huh. They went to, 
I mean, some of them went to great lengths to make sure that everything that they put out was the best quality possible. Huh. I'll get, give you one story. Uh, is is uh, Ruth Handler. No, sorry, not Ruth Handler. I'm getting them all mixed. Margaret Rudkin, which is Pepper and Pepperidge Farms. Oh, okay. And she started off with her her healthy bread, and it was it was whole grain um, bread. And during the Second World War, there was there were rationing um, milk and dairy products like uh, um, cream and butter, and one of her secret ingredients was, was more more cream and and butter in her bread. Uh-huh. And and so instead of reducing or figuring out a, a byproduct that she could do, she reduced the quantity, not the quality. Uh-huh. Huh. So so that was just one example, but uh, there's n- many examples where where you know some of these women would stop production; they would wouldn't sell something; they would throw it out. Uh, there's some great stories of of uh, Debbie Fields going into one of her her franchise stores and they were all franchised because she wanted, uh, sorry, they weren't all fran- They're all company operated so that she had total control over the quality mm. did not want to franchise. And she would go into a store and she would throw up product. <laughs> Good for her. So, so these were some of the, you know, things that, that are consistent from a, from a brand, a, a successful brand, mm-hmm. empathy, as empathy is another huge one. And, and these are words that we're now hearing today. We didn't hear this 10 years ago when we were talking about branding. Yeah. These were common things that they were doing, you know, throughout history. The, the other thing that was really interesting I, I, I saw was no fear of trying new things. Huh. No reinventing themselves if they have to. Um, seeing opportunities and taking advantage of those opportunities. And when you start looking back at some of these brands, they are, they are very diverse sometimes um, today. Uh-huh. But they started off with one simple product. And that diversity came through them trying out new things or seeing new opportunities huh. uh, as well. But I guess the one thing I took away um, was that to them, branding was caring. And again, you hear this today, mm-hmm. you know, the importance of caring, caring about your employees, caring about your customers, caring about your communities. Uh, Anita Roddick is one of the ladies, was mm-hmm. the body shop. Mm-hmm. You know, um, she was, I, I called her the, the, the queen of green. Um, yeah. She was, she tied social responsibility into her brand. Um, others have done the same thing uh, if you read read the book but yeah i mean all of them care well and it's a genuine sincere caring too like when i see ads for banks talking about how much they care for me i'm just like sorry that one's (laughs) falling on deaf ears but yeah when they have a brand that actually lives up to that in, in their customer care and in their care with the quality of the products and all of that. Uh, and it's believable if they're going to be successful. Yeah. So, so it's, it's not surprising that you see, you know, a Martha Stewart products out there all over the place mm-hmm. and her brand 
represents quality in that product. She's not going to put her name on anything that's not mm-hmm. going to be of quality. That's true. Yeah. And she has not been afraid to try new things. She is she has, she has pushed out her herself. empire in multiple directions um, in, a, in a remarkable way, hasn't she? Yeah. And she continues to do that. I mean, yeah. the latest was, uh, I think uh, she has a line of cannabis um, uh, treats. <laughs> I love it. Martha Stewart treats. Oh, that's great. Well, yeah, it's a new thing and it's come along and why not take advantage of it? They'll be designer treats, by the way. <laughs> yes. Oh, they are. They're, they're, they have some French. Uh, I mean, I, I don't have the, the the flavors, but they're they're French influence, I think, you know. Uh, but they'll be in different kiwi. colors for different seasons. So they match the decor of your home. Possibly. <laughs> I think so. Anyway, well, okay. So, how do we get your book? Oh no, let's talk about publishing it. Was it self-published or was it through a publisher? So i I looked at uh, I, I looked at hybrid. I looked at um, going with a publishing company. I did all my research, and it finally dawned on me that I had to do this myself. Partly uh-huh. because all the women I was writing about did it themselves. Ah. And there was, it just felt important to me to have total control of my product as they had. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, it's self-published. Uh, and again, I've had to learn a lot um, listening to a lot of podcasts mm-hmm. um, such as yours mm-hmm. uh, as well. Uh, and thank you, um, because uh, with this podcast world of 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 writing and writing and self publishing, I learned a lot. And uh, uh, so, so yeah, I self published. Good for you. So, what I frequently say on this um, podcast is that regardless of which method you go with, you as the author are going to bear the lion's share of the work to market your book. Because publishers, even the big guys like, you know, Simon and & Schuster and Penguin, they don't actually do a heck of a lot to market their books. They'll, they'll get them, you know, sent to a Barnes & Noble or whatever, but they send a certain quantity and the bookstore will say, if, if these aren't gone within 30 days, we send them back. <laughs> so it's, it's extraordinary how becoming an author now means you also have to become a marketer. Yeah. And the good thing is, that's what I do for a living. Exactly. So you've got a a leg up on this whole thing. So that's exciting. Well, hopefully, I mean, it's always sort of, you know, as my night job, uh, it's funny that time, right? There's a time commitment that's required. Uh Uh, I I watch you, you know, doing your your podcast, there's a huge amount of time that you have to put into, into, into developing your podcast. And and mm-hmm. you know, I keep hearing, you know, I should be doing a podcast. I don't have the time. I do a blog and I, I rarely find the time. Like in the last two years, uh, if you look at my blog, there's a whole bunch of gaps uh, in months uh, where I mm-hmm. just haven't had the time um, to, to do it. So it, it, these are, yeah, huge commitments. So one of the things that I do is I'm a book coach and I help people write their book, publish it and market it. And for someone who has a bunch of blogs, there is sometimes the opportunity to repurpose that content into a book. Um, 
I have a sense though from just talking with you briefly is that you you've now been bitten by the research bug and I think you're going to want to sink your teeth into a subject that you really find some passion and some interest in uh, for your next book. Am I right? Yeah, I'm halfway through it. What? You've already started writing the second book. <laughs> okay, so what is well, it? So, so yeah, it's in this, the, the, the uh, branding queens, I had to come up with a structure from a branding perspective. Uh-huh. And, and I had to come up with some sort of a matrix to try and put in all the different things that each of the women were doing so that you could sort of see where their strengths were or what they did to, to actually build a brand. And so I, I came up with the five C's of branding and the five C's of branding is is commitment, uh, construct, and and let me maybe I should explain each one a little bit better. So commitment is the why, the purpose, the values uh-huh. of the brand. The construct is all the physical aspects, the logo, um, color scheme, uh, uh-huh. tonality. Um, if there's a taste, if there's a feel, um, all the sort of visual um, connectivities sound as well and then there's the community which is um talking about the actual customer the employees the communities where the 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 brands exist Uh, then there's the content which Uh is sort of the channels uh of how do you communicate because most when most people talk about branding uh they kind of talk about marketing and advertising and that is only a piece. Yeah. And, and that's kind of where the, the content kind of comes into this. And then the final one is consistency. And consistency is about governance. It's about, you know, um, the production. Are you in charge of your own production? How do you ensure that quality? Um, Liz Claiborne, uh, just give a quick example. Uh, she was one of the first who went offshore. Um, to to produce uh, her clothing. And she went offshore because it could be produced cheaper. So she could get quality products, quality. So she made sure it was got the quality, uh-huh. but at a really reasonable price because her customer was the working woman. And again, right. if you think back when she was um, going extremely, when she started um, the business, uh, it was the baby movers going into the, into the, to the workforce. And, and so to get, Make sure she had that quality because, again, if you go back way back in time, anything overseas was, you know, questionable as the quality. Uh, but she had representatives and she had offices over there so that she had somebody looking and checking the stuff. And then this was all new. This was all new um, mm-hmm. and setting this up from a quality perspective. So consistency is hugely important, particularly when you're talking brands that like Coco Chanel, mm-hmm. um, quality brands. Um, you got to make sure you got that governance and that 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 system in place, and then you also have to get that um, feedback from customers. Uh, database uh, again, uh, Debbie Fields uh, was uh, her husband was a was a IT guy, and had built this infrastructure of IT behind everything, so that they actually knew what was going on in every store every day, every hour. Amazing. So, so Amazing. all of these things as I said, fits into these five C's. So 
I, I don't have a lot of the five seasons because the, the, the women's stories are as big as the brand. So I had to make sure that I, I didn't, you know, overwhelm the, the reader with, with a whole bunch of, of jargon. So my second book, I think, is The Five Seas. Okay. And, and where I can take these five Cs and I can maybe, you know, spend a little bit more time explaining the five Cs and then, you know, giving examples of, of the five Cs. Wonderful. Wow. So you've, you really have been bitten by the book book. <laughs> yeah. I wish I'd been bitten by it a long time ago. Uh, well, you know, I had a guest on here a couple of weeks ago and he's a retired lawyer, defense lawyer. And um, he's been writing uh, fiction, crime fiction, we know, hugely inspired by his career as a, an attorney in the courtroom. <laughs> and it's like, he's he's on his, like, I don't know, eighth or ninth book or something. He's just cranking them out and having so much fun and addressing social issues that he saw, at, you know, in the courtroom over the years and the crimes and whatnot. And so he's really kind of channeling all of that into books that are not just entertaining, but they've got, um, you know, they're addressing a social issue. So right. you never know where it's going to take you. And uh, I, I think this is really exciting what you're doing. And your book sounds amazing. I'm going to read your book because I love stories about strong women. And this sounds very inspiring to me. Well, thank you. And and uh, I've yeah, so far the feedback has been uh, very positive. So I, I um, ask any of your listeners who may read the book um, to please do a review. Uh, I, I I need to hear from people um, mm-hmm. as a as a new author, right? Uh, and and you know, good and bad. I, I'm 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 willing to take anything. But no, seriously, I I I'm I really do want to hear from people and their reactions and. And uh, yeah, learn. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for taking time to share with us today. And again, for people that are interested, it's Kim Rodziba, and you can find information about him and the book in the show notes. The book is called Branding Queens. It's available on Amazon. It's not even a week old. So go and check it out. And if you buy the book and read it and love it, please, please give Kim a review. Thanks again, Kim. Thank you. Thank you very much. So thank you so much for joining us at Buzz on Book Biz. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, could you give us a five-star review on Apple Podcast? That would be terrific. Information and links about today's guest are in the show notes. And if you'd like to connect with me, please visit my website, rochellewiseman.com. And my email is rochelle at rochellewiseman.com. So until next time, stay safe and read a good book. Bye for now.